Well, good morning, Zion. Good to see you all. It is a kind of a landmark day in, in the year. Uh, I don't know if anyone noticed, but the air conditioner is actually on for the first time in 2023. And so we are, that means the weather is getting nicer and uh, more pleasant. So I appreciate you coming out on this beautiful spring day. Um, we're, gonna, we're starting a new series today on the names of God. We're going to go through this through April and May, and then starting in June and July, we're going to start another series called the, um, the Fruit of the Spirit, which is based out of Galatians 6, Love, Joy, Peace, Patience, Kindness. So it's kind of a bit of a topical uh, message, but based off of the, that passage and what those mean and so forth. But we're going to look at Old Testament names of God. So we're going to see some, some Hebrew up there, some ancient Hebrew, and what it... Um, uh, what it tells us about the Lord. So we are going to be on holy ground. We're going to look at some things that are hard for, for us to wrap our minds around because we're what you call finite, and God is what we call infinite. And so while we could spend the rest of our days speaking about him, we can never actually completely understand until we see him as he is. But I'm going to do something a little unusual, and you're welcome to as well. Actually, you're welcome to do this anytime. But since we're on holy ground, I'm going to take my shoes off. And you can too. It's just kind of symbolic of, wow, where are we? Where are we talking about when it comes to God? He, we're going to hear things about him and understand things about him. And whenever you use an illustration, it always breaks down at some point. But he is like a diamond, uh, just a beautiful, gorgeous cut diamond with all the different facets and cuts. And his name's really describe just like one of those facets or cuts. Today we got really some heavy stuff to look at because it's going to be the three most common names in the Old Testament. Um, but I want to give you an example, and if you've known us for a while, you know we love C.S. Lewis and the Chronicles of Narnia. And there's one book of that series called The Horse and His Boy, and it's kind of a story set off from the the main characters. In fact, the, the main characters have really kind of a more minor role in, in that particular story. But there's a young boy named Shasta who grows up never hearing about the Lord. And you have to remember the, the name for Jesus and the character who portrays Jesus in those stories is a huge lion with the name Aslan. And so, again, this, this young boy, Shasta, never heard of Aslan, never heard of the Lord. And he finds himself all alone in a very heavy, misty uh, um, uh, pathway riding a horse. Uh, and he's not a very good horseman, but he's on this horse who's just kind of plodding along. And all of a sudden, he, just, he senses that there's something next to him. And he's not quite sure what or who it is. And it's frightening for him. And so you get this idea, but, but so you know, it's Aslan. It's the lion walking along with him slowly. And here's how this conversation goes. And I think it's just so clever of the way uh, Dr. Lewis describes God in a simple yet profound way. So finally, Shasta builds up his courage and says, Who are you? asked Shasta. Myself, said a very deep uh, and low, said, said the voice very deep and low so that the earth shook again. 
myself, loud and clear and gay, and then the third time, myself, whispered so softly you could hardly hear it, and yet it seemed to come from all around, all around you as if the leaves rustled with it. Why, are we, why, why does that story remind me of God? Because the first name we're going to look at is Yahweh. The Old Testament was originally written in ancient Hebrew, so it's not, it's, I mean, of course it's similar to modern Hebrew that you would hear when, if you go to Israel today. But the large part of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and God said his name was Yahweh. So we need to go back to Exodus with Moses of where he really introduces this name for the people. And again, a little bit of background. Moses has fled Egypt. He's living on, you know, and it's kind of with his wife and father-in-law. He becomes a shepherd. He becomes a nobody. And God calls him to see the burning bush. And Moses wants to go up and check this bush out. And that's where he encounters God. And so God says, guess what, Moses? I'm going to send you to free my people from their slavery. You go get them. Boy, is Pharaoh going to get it. All these different ideas. And Moses has several objections and questions for God. This is one of the first ones that he answers God back in Exodus chapter 3. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, if you think about it, I mean, what would you think? Someone claims God sent them. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? It's almost like Moses is trying to stump God. Well, God says to Moses, I am who I am. He says the name Yahweh. Yahweh. It, and he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Leave the, leave the, um, leave the slide up for a little bit, please. Um, it is, it is, if you're into English and grammar, this is the verb to be. The name Yahweh literally means I am. So like he told Shasta, myself. He is who he is. We can't make God out into our own image. This occurrence, this name occurs almost 7,000 times in the Old Testament. It is the self-existent one. I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. We are not self-existent. We needed parents. We need things like chemistry to keep us alive. Or even now, our bodies are performing acts of chemistry to keep us alive. We need air. We need God to have created all of these things. He doesn't need anything to be together. Colossians 1.17 says, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So we, can rely, we rely on God's power. We are not self-existent. He is simply himself. He is. No beginning or ending. He is constant. He does not rely on anyone or anything that exists. He's uncreated, altogether different. In other words, he's in a class by himself. 
later on in the New Testament, where Jesus was having one of his many uh, debates with the religious leaders at the time, he applies that name, I am, to himself. All right? Now, um, I should let you know, when you, how do you know when you're seeing that name? Um, if you notice in this passage where it says, say to the people of Israel, the Lord, it's in all caps. And sometimes your English Bible, some English Bible translations don't do this at all, but it'll be capital L and then maybe a smaller O-R-D, but that will be, it's the same word. It's, it's telling us that it's Yahweh. So we could read this, say to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob. And I'm going to try and replace those names when I see it in these passages and, and even in this whole series. Uh, so, but, but this puts them beyond us, different from us. But then he goes on and he says, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and the God of Abraham, these are real people. So why he says, I am way different from you, but I'm also close to you. He knows people. People know him. This name, Yahweh, is also called the covenant name, the covenant name of God that he set up with Israel. So one person or, or peoples can say, Yahweh is my God or our God as a group. Now, the Jewish, our Jewish friends, throughout their history and tradition, decided that this is a very holy, precious name, and it is. And so they wanted to make sure they didn't misuse it. And they said, we're just not going to say it. We're not going to say it. Well, I have a little bit of a problem for that. Now, I appreciate their desire. I appreciate their desire to honor God's name. But if you go back and you look at that passage, that sacredness really shouldn't be there. It should be communicated. Because remember, what did, what did Moses ask? What shall I say your name is? And God said, tell them my name is Yahweh. So he's wanting them by command to communicate his name to his people. Tell them Yahweh, the God of your fathers, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Now again, they, the, the Hebrews would hold it in such high degree. And when we read in the New, New Testament, you hear about scribes. These are professional copiers because there weren't, Xerox wasn't on, around back then, right? So they had to hand copy the scriptures into scrolls. And a professional scribe, I don't know if I'd have the patience for that job. I would just go nuts after a while. But, uh, but they had to painstakingly copy. Whenever they got to that name, Yahweh, they would stop, they would put down their pens, they would ceremoniously, ceremoniously wash, and then go pick up a different pen with different ink, write the name Yahweh, and then get back down again, wash again, and then get back up and, and write the rest of the passage. Now, if you could see if that name's there two or three times a verse, you're getting up and down a lot just to do it. But they held it in very high regard. Um, there's some other passages that use the name. Let's look at Exodus 34. And again, just we're going to read this, replacing 
capital L-O-R-D, with Yahweh. Exodus 34, Yahweh descended in the clouds and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of Yahweh. And Yahweh passed before him and proclaimed the Yahweh, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the inequity on, of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. When did God say this? God said this after a thing called the, the golden calf incident. This is where Moses was up hearing for God. He was up there for weeks and weeks. He, never, he wasn't coming down. And so they said, let's make ourselves a God. And they took all their gold and threw it in a pot. And Aaron, who gives the worst excuse in history, says, well, we just threw all this gold in and this God popped out. No, we, we, Moses didn't buy it. And this, is where, this passage is what God said Moses, told Moses to write down about himself. This is, by the way, the most quoted passage in the Old Testament. The New Testament quotes the Old Testament quite a bit, but this one is repeatedly quoted as well. Note the, the repetition, Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. It's his name. He's saying, this is who I am. What am I like? It's like saying to someone, well, who are you? Tell me about yourself. And God is doing that. The I am, the Yahweh says, I'm merciful and gracious. I'm merciful and gracious. And it's a good thing he was to Israel because that was a big bad sin they did. And when we sin, when we mess up, God is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger. Do you ever just sometimes just thank God, God, thank you that you were slow to anger with me? Because when am I going to get fill in the blank? He is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, and he forgives sin, but he also brings judgment. Let's move on. You might be thinking about the Ten Commandments here when we talk about the name of God, because remember, one of them says this in Exodus 27, you shall not take the name of Yahweh your God in vain, for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What does that mean to take the name of God in vain. Well, it, it means to honor and protect it. Uh, to, if you take it as, if, if you think lightly of the name or attach kind of emptiness to it, if you're taking it in vain. Now, I know most of the time when we hear about this, we say, well, you don't use God's name as a swear word. And that certainly does break that commandment. By the way, it's, it's kind of funny when people are, you know, like they're frustrated with their car, like it's not starting. And they, they shout out, GD, this car. That's probably a prayer you don't want God to answer while you're sitting in it. Just think about that a little bit. You don't want him to do that at that time. But see, that's taking his name in vain. It's using it lightly or empty or using uh, anything regarding to God in an empty way. But it could also mean this. As believers, we are bearing his name. In the New Testament, it's only used about three times or so. The word Christian is there. And over the years, and I know in our culture, doesn't quite have the same biblical meaning because it's been changed and people have mis, mis, um, 
defined it, but it means a follower of Christ. You're bearing, you bear the name of Christ. But in the same way, a follower of the Lord, you're saying, I am doing, I am living in his name. You're bearing it. Uh, and so to not do that is an example of breaking that covenant or breaking the idea of, of that commandment, I'm sorry, of taking his name in vain. It's a much more serious thing to do or to take his name in, um, uh, in, for selfish purposes. Psalm 139 verse 20 says, they speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. They don't appreciate who God is. In the New Testament sense, we do something that we have to be careful of as believers and it's praying in Jesus' name. You know what we use that for now when we pray together? We finish our prayer, especially in a group, and we say, and in Jesus' name. And you know what we're doing is we're saying, okay, I'm done praying now. Someone else can pray. That's taking it in vain. If we're not understanding what it means, to pray in Jesus' name means not, it's not some special formula. Hey, if I just put this tagline on my prayers, God's obligated to do whatever I prayed. I was once rebuked by someone because I happened to pray. Uh, it was here. It was here in church. And I didn't say the words. I didn't say in Jesus' name. And I had someone come up to me and said, what are you doing? You didn't say, you didn't say in Jesus' name. It's like, well, but as believers, and when we're praying God's will, we're praying in his name, in his authority. It's like if I give you permission to take my car to Florida and I give you the keys, you're doing that in my name. And so praying in Jesus' name is not just a tagline at the end of our prayers. It's we're saying we, Lord God, want to pray according to your will and your desires, that your will on earth would be in heaven. Well, we need to worship him as he's altogether different. Worship him because he's self-sufficient. You could just thank him for that and praise him for that. Worship him because he's uncreated. He is, the, he is the, the ultimate cause, the first cause. And then you think he's unlimited by time and space. God existed. You want a little, again, another little poof in your brains. He existed before time itself existed. He made time. And he was there. And when time finally ends, he'll still be there. We worship him for who he is. We read that passage earlier in Exodus 34, the merciful, gracious, slow to anger God. He, but he's also a father that is approachable. He's knowable. He is the most high and he's available. We use the term, and we're going to get back to this a little bit in the next name. He is transcendent yet eminent. He's like your dad, hopefully, that you could approach him, but he's still dad. Normally what we do in our, in our times together is we finish the message and we have a time of pause and pray. But for today, we're going to take a little mini pause and praise times and do it now after each of these three names. So let's, let's do that now. If you would like to pray out loud, I welcome you to do that, but you don't have to. Let's praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh that you are uncreated, a God of mercy and graciousness, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, 
and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love. You can pick any one of those. You could just do a sentence prayer. Let's stop and thank Yahweh for who he is. Yahweh, we praise you for who you are. You just exist. You just are. And yet you have sent Jesus to be among us, that he would be the Emmanuel, the God with us, that we might know you, that we might understand you. Who are we that the I am, the the Yahweh of all creation, would know us? And yet you do, and you've proved yourself faithful. While we mess up all the time, you are faithful. You are the one who brought Jesus, that we might have new life, that we might be new people. And Lord, according to the name of Christ, according to his authority, we pray. Amen. Let's look at another name. This one is called Elohim. Elohim. It's translated as God, capital G-O-D. Uh, whenever it appears in the Hebrew scriptures, it's a, for, it's a plural noun. I know we don't, we don't have a lot of, well, we do have singular and plural noun, like dog and dogs. We put an S on the end of it. But in Hebrew, it's plural, which must have, must have kind of messed the minds up of the scribes and the leaders. What, why is it plural? Uh, but it is. It doesn't mean there were many gods. I think it refers to the Trinity, God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It also is used often when it's uh, something it's possessing, the God of fill in the blank. It occurs over 2,500 times in the, in the Old Testament. Um, it, is, it is refers to God as a creator, preserver, uh, we'll get into this idea of being transcendent. He is mighty and strong. Um, uh, uh, Ecclesiastes, Daniel, Jonah uses that name for God almost exclusively. Let's look at Psalm 109, verse 26. And reading carefully here, help me, what is it? Oh, Yahweh. Oh, God, you learned it. Help me, Yahweh, my Elohim my powerful one. Save me according to your steadfast love. You hear it is, oh, Yahweh, my mighty one. Psalm 711, Yahweh is a righteous judge and a, or I'm sorry, Elohim is a righteous judge and an Elohim who feels indignation every day. A couple other examples, Isaiah, um, what is that verse, uh, chapter 37, oh, Yahweh of hosts, okay, the, the, Elohim of Israel, enthroned above cherubim, angels, you are Elohim, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made uh, heaven and earth. Now, in the New Testament, the New Testament wasn't written in Hebrew, it was written in Greek, in Koine Common Greek. But the concepts of God carry all the way through, even though it's a different language. So in the book of Revelation, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, which is the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. He's the beginning and the end. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. You see, you see I am, he just always is, right in that phrase. He always is the Almighty, and there's Elohim. God is, as I used this word earlier, he is transcendent, and also we say eminent. And again, those are, theologians always think you got to have at least three or four syllables to describe stuff. But they're really quite 
easy to understand ideas. It, he is beyond time. He is beyond matter. He's beyond us. What does it mean to be transcendent? Let me give you kind of a made-up story, but it very well could be possible. Let's say you and your spouse or another loved one, or you're, you're in a, a pretty big battle. It could be, could be anyone. And it is a disagreement, and you are bound and determined to be right. This, no, we're going to settle this, and I'm going to be the one who's right. And I'll just use spouses as a, in my example. And it happens to be during lunch or dinner. And so you know how it is. You're, you're trying to get your, your point across and you're shoveling food in your mouth. And all of a sudden, a horrible thing happens and your windpipe is blocked by food. And you, you grab your throat and you can't even communicate. And your spouse notices that you can't breathe and you're starting to turn pink and red. So your spouse keeps arguing, right? Well, hopefully not. But your spouse gets up and, and, and pulls you up out of your chair, wraps her arms around you and does that Heimlich maneuver, you know, trying to dislodge that food that's blocking your windpipe. And it's not working. And you look at each other eye to eye and you realize you are seconds away from being on the wrong side of the grass. And your lips are turning blue and your spouse says, I'm going to try it one more time. And reaching around and with all their might, pulls it forward, pulls you back and all of a sudden this food just lodges and it comes out and you get, and you were just about to pass out. And you look at each other, and moments ago, the most important thing to you was your argument. And you look at each other, and you go, oh my. Something's more important. Something's bigger than what we were arguing over. That's an example of transcendent. Choking to death transcends your argument. It's, it means it's bigger, but it means more than that. Choking at that time is more important than winning your argument. It's more than being important, but it includes that. God is transcendent. He is beyond us. He's the, should be, as we talk about the, we say that the most important thing in our life. His strength and power and perspective is beyond us. Psalm, you can look at Psalm 27 one later. He is enthroned and he is unapproachable without help from him. But he's also transcendent, which means he's close. Jesus is the ultimate example of that. As I said earlier, he's the God with us. He was God in human flesh. And you could touch him and know him and hear from him and watch him and, and all those different things about him. He is, he is that one. He is the God with us. And when we hear that God is with us, that that's kind of feels good, doesn't it? When we need power, when we need protection, when we need healing, when we need 
money, when we're stuck in a trial and we say, God knows, God understands, God hears the prayers of individuals and of groups, and he responds, and we think, that's cool, that's nice, doesn't that feel good? But he's also transcendent. He's not one or the other, he's both. He's close and he's far. He's both of those things together. And what we do as people is we tend to focus on the benefits and think, I'm so glad he's close. I, am so, I can call on him. He answers my prayers. And that's absolutely 100% true. But if he is transcendent, if he's bigger and better and more important, shouldn't we think of his desires and him himself as more important? I mean, if he's bigger, if he's more important, then he's more important. We got to get out of this mindset that it's all about us. It's all about me. It's all about what I do. It's all about what I need. And again, God listens to that. He hears that. He does hear the prayer, give us this day our daily bread. But he's beyond that. He transcends that. Let's pause and pray to Elohim. And you can fill in the blank here. Um, Elohim, you are mighty to save me from. And you fill in the blank. Let's stop and pray. Whoever would like to pray that one sentence prayer. Elohim, you are mighty to save me from my sin. Through Jesus Christ, you paid the penalty that we know, we can know if we believe in his sacrifice and say, I'm going to follow him, I believe in him, and I'm going to repent from my own desires and wishes and life. Elohim, you are mighty to save. Even when, even when we mess up, and we do a lot. So we are grateful and we praise your name. Amen. It's the last name. And I know we're covering three big names here. Because there's, there's a lot of overlap with these. In fact, you often hear them or read them together in verses. The last one we're going to look at is Adonai. Now what the Hebrews did, I mentioned how they didn't want to say Yahweh. And even today as you talk to uh, uh, Hebrew believers, Israelite believers, they'll still say today, Adonai. I know there was that Amy Grant song, wasn't it? Or am I thinking of a different name? Uh, oh, yeah, she, that was, yeah, it was back in the 70s. Um, when you, now, just like Yahweh, our translators help us out to know which name is being used. Remember how Yahweh is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. This one is a uppercase L referring to God, but the O-R-D is in lowercase. Because this word can also apply to a lord of a household. So a leader of a, leader of a country, a lord. But your Bible translations won't put it with a capital L. Whenever it refers to God, that first letter L will be capitalized. But just like Yahweh or, 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 I'm sorry, Elohim, it's always in a plural when it refers to God or a master in a slave-master relationship. Um, and it's used about 300 times in the Old Testament to refer to God. Here, the first one is in, in Genesis 15 too. But Abram said, he was, remember when we covered Genesis, Abram was waiting for Abraham 
waiting for a son to be born to him. And he was waiting and waiting and waiting. But Abram said, O Adonai, what will you give me since I continue to be childless and my heir is the laser of Damascus? He is full of power. He is great. He is the top dog. He is the Lord. There's other verses. I mean, you can look at Exodus 4, Psalm 8, Psalm 114. Isaiah uses a combination quite a bit. He'll say, Adonai Yahweh. 200 times in Ezekiel where he'll use this. Here's another one. Psalm 114, verses 7 and 8. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of who? Is it Adonai or Yahweh? Adonai. Lowercase O-R-D. Tremble at the presence of Adonai, the president of Elohim of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. Here In Psalm 135.5, it's not going to be on the screen, for I know that Yahweh is great and that Adonai is above all gods. That was Psalm 135.5. Again, often used together. Psalm 141.8, But my eyes are toward you, Adonai, or I'm sorry, But my eyes are toward you, Elohim, my Adonai. In you I seek refuge. Leave me not in, in uh, defenseless. If he's Lord, then by default, shouldn't he be followed? It's not just a title. It's not just saying your majesty. He is majestic. It's not just applying a title to him. But a title of someone who should be followed. Later on in Matthew where Jesus was finishing up the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, many people are going to come to me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we, didn't we do all this cool stuff in your name? Didn't we, didn't we go to church every Sunday? Didn't we give money to the church? Didn't we do good works? Didn't we, um, uh, you know, go to the pizza feeds when someone's house burnt down or, or spaghetti feeds or whatever? Didn't we do all these good things? And, we, and they called him Lord. They call him Lord. They give him that title. And Jesus says, I never knew you. And there's other people that call him Lord and they did what Jesus said. They followed him. They believed that he's the answer for their sin. And they're going to do whatever he says. They're going to follow him. They're not going to pick and choose the things they like or don't like. As Adonai, he is our refuge and defense. As Adonai, he should be followed. As Adonai, he commands the physical universe. I read earlier Colossians 1, how he holds all these things together. Why do, why, do, why do physics always, the physical laws, why do they always work? It's because he has commanded them. Why don't the electrons and just go flying off from our atoms and our bodies and we just dissolve? Why not? Because Adonai has decreed that they're going to keep spinning around their atoms. Tell that to your chemistry teacher. Because he holds them together. He holds, he, he is worthy to be obeyed. Why do animals, we just were at a um, uh, farm yesterday. We took our little 
grandson, Cade, uh, to, um, to see a little farm. And hogs are huge. I mean, they're like, they're a lot bigger when you get up close to them. And boy, do they stink. Well, this little, this, this mom, this little, this big hog had a litter. What did she have? About eight, eight little piglets running around. And she decided when she was going to feed them and how long she would feed them. How does a pig know that? She's listening to Adonai and following what, what he has commanded her to do, even though she doesn't have the mental capability for that. In the same way, we should follow Adonai. We're, of course, above the animals. We have free will. We could decide, nope, not going to do that. But it shouldn't be that way. We should follow him. He is greater, folks, than everything. Let's pause and pray about Adonai. By the way, I hope you saw the, the Hebrew letters. And when you're reading the Hebrew name, make sure you're reading it right to left. That probably threw you, right? He's just a bunch of squiggles. But Hebrew actually reads right to left. Let's pray, Adonai, you are far greater than, fill it in. You are far greater than the, the physical, the spiritual forces. Far, far greater than all these things that we are worried and concerned about. And Lord, as I consider this life, you are far greater than this life. And, and there is an eternal reality that you are also far greater than. And Lord, we want to live not for the few, the few breaths on earth that we spend here, but with you forever to simply believe in Jesus and the sacrifice he made for us. And in your name, O oh God, we pray. Amen. Just a couple more illustrations of his power and just how he's, just some things he's done in my life and uh, made me think about this. As you know, many of you know, about six months ago, our, our little grandson, our first grandson was born. And when we met him for the first time, my daughter told me his name is Cade Joseph Arnold. And I said, really? And so he bears my, his middle name is my name. What a, I mean, I'm still, it's like, wow, what an honor. What an honor to be, to have him bear that, that name. We bear as a believer, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, we bear that name. It describes something about us. The other thing is just what happened this, uh, to me this week. Um, normally I get my taxes done around, you know, February. I, I just hate, ha hate having them hanging over. One thing led to another and we, uh, we didn't get them done until this last week. And I was frustrated. I was getting mad. I was it's like, why is this so hard? And there's a lot of power built into our tax code. It's like, oh, why can't it just be simple? And it won't ever be because people don't want to give up power. And you know what I, I subconsciously thought? I thought that God can never, God won't ever or can't overcome that. And I was reading in my own devotion, Psalm 59, about how powerful God is against. And David, David prays a lot about his enemies, physical enemies through the Psalms. And I thought, well, I don't have someone trying to pin me against a wall with a spear. 
<laughs> like David did, but these are, there are forces out there. And God said, Joe, I'm Elohim. I'm Adonai. I'm, I'm bigger than, than the IRS. And I said, yeah. And you might think, well, of course he is. But it was just, it was, it was a comforting thought that he is bigger. He is more important. He is transcendent of those. And he could wipe all that stuff out. In fact, it will someday. It'll all be gone. No forms. There is no April 15th in the new heaven and new earth. Yes. But that's, that's a small thing. But just knowing who God is, the powerful one, was a great comfort to me. As powerful as that whole system is, it's nothing compared to God. Amen? All right. Let's have our worship team come up. I have a few announcements uh, for you all. Um, mentioned last week as we finished up our, our previous series, we still have lots of these, th these uh, little booklets. How would you explain how someone could believe and repent and come to Christ? Uh, the three circle illustration. So they're always available here. Um, even if you don't see them on the counter, we have them back there. And you're welcome to grab as many as you like. We also have Bibles. We have Bibles, uh, the ESV version. The only thing I don't like about these Bibles is it's like micro print. It's really teeny. <laughs> and I mean, I could still read them, but barely. Um, I think I, I go to at least a semi-large print these days. Uh, for the ladies, uh, gathering, talking about gathering around the table, hopefully no one will need a Heimlich maneuver uh, during that time. But uh, there's an ongoing ministry with all the ladies of our Zion churches, Brookville, Clarion, and here, uh, called the Kitchen, kitchen Table. And that's going to be on Friday, April 28th, so it's coming up uh, from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. It's not a two-day thing like they've done in the past. Uh, but they still have coffee and tea, and they're asking you to bring uh, a dessert to share. There's some cards back there if you want, one as a reminder for yourself or to invite someone. But it is at the Clarion campus, so you need to get on 68 and uh, head towards Clarion. It's about 40 minutes or so away. That same weekend on April 30th is our next family fun day, and uh, it's a bike ride. And we've done this before, uh, if you were with us for that. So get on your bikes uh, with kids or if you're even couples, you want to join us for that. They're going to meet at the East Brady Pavilion. We'll have a simple lunch. Uh, not sure what, you know, hot dogs or something along that lines. And then uh, and meet there by about 1230. So shortly, you know, we're done soon, about 1130. And then about an hour later, uh, 12, what did I say? That soon? Wow. Well, they got to get their bikes. Okay. All right. Do get there. Get get there as soon as you can. But it's the it's the Rotary Pavilion in East Brady. Okay. Um, and uh, again, there'll be food there. Then you're going to head over towards Phillipston. And we'll have where the, the railroad turnstile is. I don't know if you have to see that. It's kind of neat. Crawl around in that thing. Um, but the, near the turnstile in Phillipston. And we'll have some additional snacks and waters and all that thing, things available uh, as well. And boy, there was something else that was on my mind. 
and it's gone. I didn't write it down. So let's go ahead and finish our worship and song. <laughs>